Greetings and salutations. I hope your day is both tranquil and fulfilling. I am Athanasius, and welcome back to the podcast of the Boldly Immortal. It's been it's been an experience trying to get started with this and figure out what to say next. And one of the consistent challenges I'm having to overcome is self-criticism. It has its healthy sides. It has its benefits. It has immense values. But the specific one here is the realization that everything that I'm saying is being recorded. Not only that, I'm, I'm actively publishing it for the wider world. I am asking for feedback. And that's a strange concept at first because, well, I know that what I'm doing isn't perfect. I'm aspiring to excellence, and yet I'm only going to achieve so much. And specifically today, I want to hit on a specific section of what is happening here, and it's actually the rhetoric, the the realization that I have that the rhetoric I'm using must fit a certain standard, while still sounding organic, while still sounding sounding natural. It strikes me that in casual conversation, most of the time we will throw in extra words that are completely superfluous, right? Like, it happens. So, you know, we just kind of add those extra words in and it kind of it sounds sounds more sounds more normal but it is completely superfluous it's completely excessive it's unnecessary and it's unpolished and there's no need that we have for the words there's no value in them there's no additional expression coming from them um is one of them but the brief section that i just did was surprisingly and in fact discouragingly uncomfortably easy like really um so you know well these words aren't words sometimes some of them are words but they're not being used as words i've had interesting conversations with people where the the topic is what someone else said, and it just flows right off the tongue. So they were like this, and I was like this, and I've done the same thing. I've done exactly the same thing. So I was like, "What do you What do you want to do today?" And they were like, "Well, why don't we Why don't we go to the store, for an example?" And the words just flow naturally. But if you stick them in any sort of formal context, so I'm. Um, Keeping keeping track of the 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 notes for a an official meeting. The manager was like, "Hey, you need to improve your your performance." And I was like, "Well, I'm doing okay, I think." Or to to really hit it home, the one I like to go to, and that's the the way the word's supposed to be used. The one I like to go to is, you would never hear except in maybe 
the message Bible. So Jesus was like, let the little children come to me. It sounds profane. It sounds wrong. What's funny is that to a certain extent, that's the way that the Greek actually works. Uh, oftentimes you s simply have, rather than in quotation marks, it would be Jesus said that let the little children come to me. So there's, it's not, there's not the same polish that we put on it, but at the same time, what is intended is the polished way of performing it, of conveying the information. And like is completely unnecessary. It's, it used to be made fun of. It was a valley girl thing. It was, oh, look at those weirdos in California. Now, what have we all turned into? Maybe because we kept listening to those California people. Or we were listening to the people that they were listening to first. And was like flows very smoothly. And I said, there's, there's D's, there's S's. It's, if you actually say it out loud, it's harder to say. It's more uncomfortable. It requires more patience, more diction. It requires thought. And it requires a listener who's actually going to respect you enough to give you the time to speak your mind. Now, that's something worth holding on to, and we're going to get back to that. But from a, from a rhetorical perspective, from a delivery perspective... I want to remove these from my language as much as possible. Removing excess words, removing things like right at the end of a sentence adds confidence to the speaker. If I were to say, removing words that are unnecessary, it, it adds confidence to the speaker, right? Just there. Just, just note the difference between the two statements and think about it for just a moment. The problem we have is we don't think about it. You have a pause button, okay? So if I tell you to think about it, I'm just going to keep going because I'm going to try to keep going. That's helpful for the podcast as opposed to having large stretches of silence. But then again, that's what I'm afraid of. It's a fear that there will be a long stretch of silence, a fear that something might interrupt, that something might come between me and my message? Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps it's a lack of confidence in my own thoughts, not a lack of confidence in my listener, but rather that I need an external affirmation of the thing that I am declaring. And so... Because I lack that self-confidence, or perhaps because it's simply someone else's self-confidence issues which have invaded their speech to such a degree that I'm now copying it, either way, it comes across as, as tepid, as unclear suddenly. A statement that would originally be said with firm confidence has now been given a caveat and it gives the speaker a technical out, but it's not used that way. When you say, right, you're not actually usually asking for someone to affirm your position. You're simply trying to hedge your bet subconsciously.
So it's a filler word, but it's a filler word with, with meaning behind it. Um is a filler word that's just there to say, I'm going to keep talking. You know, is just like right. And I'm sure evaluating your own speech, as I do my own, you'll find plenty of these filler words. They just pop up out of nowhere. Because, and this gets back to that earlier idea I was talking about, I think that the reason is that we've lost the discipline of patient listening. We lack the skill to let our presenter, the one who is speaking with us in casual conversation, we lack the skill to give them confidence that they will be heard completely. And in a world where, and this is a whole podcast of its own, in a world where time is our greatest debt, where time is what we're poor in, where we're rushed from one thought to another and everyone's competing for your attention. That's an old podcast. Pay attention. That's the name of the podcast episode. I'm not telling you to pay attention, although you probably should. In a world where that's the case, though, why wouldn't we feel less confidence in our own words when there are more words now than ever, when there's less reason to trust we are being heard? Something could come out of nowhere. Someone could receive a notification on their phone. And suddenly, it is as though the words we spoke did not exist because their eyes are gone. We don't give them the pause before responding. We don't give them a chance to finish their complete thought. We don't, we don't wait. We don't listen well. And it's something that's subtle. A good listener won't show you that they're a good listener, but you'll notice it. You'll feel it. Developing that as a characteristic, as a quality, as a skill and discipline should make you someone people want to talk to because they will feel that they are completely heard. They will feel that they can express an idea to its conclusion. It's something I've tried to cultivate and I struggle to cultivate because well, unfortunately my, my head in my head I begin to concoct the conclusion, the next thing they're going to say. I try to figure out where they're going with the story before they go there so that I can be efficient, so I can save time. It is something I've <laughs> struggled with for a long time and continue to work through. And I've only begun to work through it by recognizing that the value of the conversation does not come from the information conveyed, but from the opportunity for th that person who is conveying it to speak. Now, if they can provide valuable information at the same time, that is good. But in many cases, simply giving someone a chance to be heard is worth 
while. And that is not something that came naturally to me. And in a world where there's, again, everything competing for our attention, so many things vying to be heard, why would I sit and listen to someone tell something poorly? I don't have time for that. So, I move on. Mentally, I jump forward. I try to get to the point. Now, I would like to mention, for those of you who know my brother, that I grew up with him telling very long and rambling stories that did not actually go anywhere. And you may know somebody like him, too. To be fair with him, he's gotten excellent at storytelling. He, he now has through, through lines and interesting events, and he knows how to tell a story much better than he used to. But what I've realized is that even though he couldn't tell a story, the value that he got was the storytelling, just conveying information, just talking. And while it would be good to tell stories well, while it is good to develop a skill of speaking, you can't do that if you're not a good listener. You can't actually speak unless you know what it's going to sound like, unless you have some conception of the rhythm and of the flow. If you're not hearing yourself, if you're not paying attention to your own voice, if you're not treating yourself as someone who needs to pay attention to your own words, there's very, very good chance you're simply going to let your tongue run away with itself. And the tongue is a dangerous thing. Those of you who have been reading the Proverbs or James, the epistle of, of James is very clear about that. No man can tame the tongue. And Proverbs, Proverbs is very clear throughout the entirety of the scriptures. Uh, it, it is present, but Proverbs, Proverbs hits it and it's most pithy with it and, and it's poignant. You know a fool by his many words. Also, how dare I speak? I, I speak because I wish to be better. Because I wish to choose good words. Because I want to actually spread good words. And the only way to spread good words is to be in the discipline of speaking them. I'm not going to get better at sitting and reading alone. Because you get better at the things that you practice. The muscles become stronger because they are stressed. Well, if you wish to tame the tongue, do not do so by keeping it silent and feeding yourself a diet of bad words to your ears. Do it by training yourself to be better, by being patient and yet engaged, by slowing down, by speaking in a way to be understood, but speaking in a way to convey your thoughts without that extra baggage. Because if we do that, it will disappear over time. 
the ticks that we've brought into our language come into our language and they are spread because people hear them because someone repeats them and if we practice the discipline as a community as a culture as a people if we practice the discipline of better speech we can develop over time over the generations a rhetorical culture that speaks well that listens well it has to be done slowly and yet deliberately but I believe it can be done and that's what I'm going to pursue because the generation that comes after you and the people that are around you will hear what you have to say and they will be influenced by the way you speak it and that's part of the reason that I'm so convicted by this I recently got to interact with my nephews and watching them and seeing them soak up all of the information around them and seeing the the clarity in their eyes as they actually did understand things despite being incredibly young the few moments when I knew with clarity what he was thinking and I could experience a, a magical moment because normally communication is so hard for a young infant and a child and when you have that moment of pure understanding a light went off in his eyes and a light went off in my heart <laughs> to speak poetically all right go re go listen to the old burning episodes to talk about heartburn um, but it was beautiful it was beautiful to see him absorbing information and filtering it out and trying to capture what's going on and the moment he had understanding that he actually was capturing it rightly it was a beautiful thing he's going to have that happen over and over and over and over again my children will be the same way and the people in my community will be the same way now I actually have to talk to them I actually have to speak with them I actually have to engage and engage with with an understanding that what I'm saying will be heard I have to I have to engage cautiously prudently I have to know that what I'm saying will be heard and I have to speak appropriately in that way I'm there's a word I'm trying to find and I can't find it live here so I'll move on but the the air that the children breathe the air that we give them to breathe is what they will breathe our people are not they do not spring out of holes in the ground <laughs> to reference a, a story but they are formed by the, the the air they breathe the water they drink the the words they hear this is why it is critical to make scripture a an integral part of daily life this is why it's important to speak out loud to read out loud to read scripture out loud if you don't know how just start doing it that's why i'm talking to you 
today because I don't know how to podcast, because I don't know what I'm doing, and I want to get better, because I'm passionate about becoming a better speaker, and if I do not practice the habit, I will not improve. No, I have to listen to myself as well. I have to be aware of what's going on, and that's why I love to hear comments back from y'all. I love the feedback because it gives me other ears to tell me brutally, honestly, hopefully, seriously, please be, please be honest with me. Don't sugarcoat it. It, it gives me a chance to see where I can improve, to see where I am struggling, to see what I can do better. And if that is in fact to be the goal, then I need that, that feedback, that back and forth. I want to be a better speaker though. I want to be a better proclaimer. I want to be someone that people want to listen to and who can show them how to listen when I'm done speaking. And it's not something that I'm comfortable saying I've mastered, so there's room to grow. But in order that my children can know that they are heard, in order for my friends to know that I understand them, in order to resolve the conflicts that may arise from misunderstanding, it is incumbent on me to handle what I can handle, to be the master of what I can master, to approach the situation with the most equipment that I can have, to prepare my heart according to what the scriptures declare, to forgive my brother in my heart before I come into a disagreement with him, before I go with him to church, that I equip myself with good words, with a clear understanding and a clear mind so that we may understand one another more rightly, so that I do not come with an intent to misunderstand but with an intent to understand and be understood. And sometimes that means I need to flow into language that is simpler, that is easy, that doesn't have big words. This is a reason that Donald Trump got elected, in fact. It's because his words are simple words. They're easy words. They're the best words, as he says. He's not highfalutin. He doesn't sound like a politician because he is using simple fourth grade words. Sometimes you need to do that in order to be clearly understood. And sometimes you need the very precise, specific word that fits the situation exactly. It all depends. And so that's another edge of rhetoric. But think about it. Think about what you're doing and realize that whatever you're using is what you're conditioning those around you to be familiar with. If you end your sentence with a preposition, people will assume that a preposition is a proper word with which to end a sentence. I hope you caught the pun. And that's, that's the reason that you have to be careful. It's the reason it's important. It's the reason to be patient. So like, maybe slow down. Maybe take a break, 
pause, collect your thoughts, and if someone interrupts you, ask them to give you a moment. Or wait and let them realize what they've done in interrupting you, and if the conversation moves on, forgive them and consider what you can do better to give that person the confidence to know they're heard. If you express that, if you exude the patience that wishes to hear another person out completely, asking questions is a great way to do that, but letting their silences lie and trying to pick up on when they have something that they still want to say and they have not said yet, and teasing it out of them, drawing it out of them, letting them finish the thought, and then repeating it back to them in a question that's rephrased. It's a great way of, in general, persuading people, but why? Why is it good for persuading when you repeat a question back to someone? It's because they want to know that they are heard, and when you express that you did, in fact, hear them, they trust you more. So if you want to share with someone, if you want to encourage someone, if you want to teach someone, if you want to mentor someone, guide someone, lead someone, listen first. Before you teach, before you try to impose upon them, don't expect that they should listen to you. Have some grace, have some patience, and listen. And then when you speak, assume that they will give you the same benefit of the doubt. Practice the patience. Practice the pause. Use your tongue. Don't hide it, but discipline it. Train it. You cannot tame it, but you can discipline it. You can put it under guides. And then prepare your heart such that that which comes out of you may not defile you so that that which flows forth from you is flowing from that spring which you received from the Holy Spirit that spring of life those words of encouragement and of of life for those words will no doubt bless those around you. Those good words will be good words for them. Patience. Patience for those who will come after. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs>